Major League Soccer's Rivalry Week kicked off with a bang and did not disappoint all weekend. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me back in Jersey is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. I got to say, I kind of miss Phoenix and missing the weather out there. Uh, I got back on, uh, what did I get back? I got back Friday morning. And of course, it's cold and rainy in Jersey. But thankfully, this weekend, it was a beautiful weekend, beautiful Sunday. And a, a great, great weekend to, to be able to sit home in front of all my monitors and watch a ton of MLS. Talk about a great weekend. How many, how many monitors do you usually have up at a time? Two, three? I usually keep it at three. I usually have the two TVs going. And then if, if there's a third game at the same time that I want to watch, I can I can put it on the computer, on the iMac. Um, but usually once you get more than that, you're not really – it's kind of tough to pay attention. But uh, the, the way they laid the games out this week uh, for MLS, it was perfect. You could just watch <laughs> – all the action and uh, talk about a weekend again. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you heard we knew it was rivalry week. We know MLS has done this in the past. They've they've tried to put all these all these intriguing matchups together, all the quote unquote derbies and all the rivalries, and it's and it hasn't always kind of uh, produced like a big weekend. But this weekend, it absolutely delivered. Thirty one goals in nine games, uh, just some absolutely great finishes. Some great individual performances, and if you're a national team fan, you got to be extra excited at some of the g- games that uh, s- several U.S. national yes. team players turned in. I mean, it was just—it was really a dream weekend for MLS. Well, I mean, you talk about the national team performances. I mean, obviously, you had to start off with Seattle and Portland, and, and you have to talk about the performance of Clint Dempsey recording a hat trick for the Seattle Sounders. And obviously, I mean, this game was insane. When you look, when you look at both teams, I mean, both teams. Amassed over 40 shots. Uh, I mean, each team ha- had multiple shots on goal. Eight goals combined in this. No one is playing defense. And, I mean, look, if you're looking for an, an outstanding game to start off rivalry again, I mean, the Cascadia Cup showdown between Portland Tippers and Seattle Sounders. Eight goals combined. I mean, and Clint Dempsey's performance, oh, what, what, what a great way to start the weekend. Right. It was. I mean, it was a perfect game. Uh, these teams, it, it, as much as it's a great rivalry and as much as both these teams are pretty pretty talented, uh, they hadn't really played a game that was like this before, a game where both teams really, th- you know, they just it was give and take, and, and both teams were throwing big punches. And, you know, it looked like Portland had taken control of that game, and uh, Seattle rallies right back. They come roaring back, and it was uh, it was just great action. And and for the, the neutral, for, for, for the fans who watched who aren't fans of either team, it was perfect because you got to see great soccer. You got to see some amazing goals. And then to see Clint Dempsey have the kind of game that he had, uh, you know, I've been telling you folks, I've been saying it for how long now? Uh, don't worry about Clint Dempsey. He's going to be all right. I said it after the U.S.-Mexico game, and 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 here he is. He delivered. And, and, and it's funny because now it seems to me, as I said the last show, people were just too caught, so caught up in this narrative of, of, of Clint Dempsey still struggling. But look at the games he's played. He's played three MLS games this year. He's got four goals and an assist. He's had a goal or an assist in every single game. Even the even the opener against Kansas City, where he came on as a sub, mm-hmm. he made something happen there. He helped set up the winner. So he's been involved in every single game, and now it all came together for him in this game. And you could see the quality that he brings to the table. He is going to be fine. He is going to bring quality to the table. There's a reason Jurgen Klinsmann still wants to build his attacker on him, still sees him as a key piece to the puzzle, even with the year and a half that he had. Uh, you know, bouncing around Fulham, Tottenham, Tottenham to MLS and, you know, all that, you know, it just didn't, it, it really didn't help him, uh, the timing of the moves. But here he is, uh, the loan, I th- I mean, I'm telling you, I think the loan move to Fulham uh, is going to work out perfectly for him from a fitness standpoint. I think a lot of pe- for the people, there's, there's people who are t- so caught up in how he looked in the Fulham loan. And and that and and saying oh well he didn't look good at all but again I said it then I said it now he was it was his it was essentially his preseason right he 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 stepped he came in off of a six week break he he you know he was off that whole entire time and then his preseason is jumping right into a relegation battle with a team like Fulham uh, so the fact that he even got the amount of playing time that he got shows you the quality that he still had that the coaches saw the managers saw. Mm-hmm. In him that they put him on the field in these kind of games, and obviously Fulham, you know, in serious trouble. Uh, they they were playing horrible soccer, but for Dempsey, it looks like that loan served its purpose. It got him match fit. Mm-hmm. It got him ready to hit the ground running, and look what he's doing in MLS. I mean, the, you, people saw it on Saturday. Anyone who still had doubts, 
he can still deliver. Yeah, you, you stole what I was going to say. I was, I was going to ask you about, you know, does Dempsey's performance put those put those you know those negative comments that people have uh, to bed? And you know, we talked about this before. I mean, the purpose of him going to England was to get match fit. But you know, when you, when you look at this game, Ivis, you know, for for Seattle to be able to come back, you know, Dempsey scoring two goals late after the 85th minute for the Seattle Sound. I mean, Portland is still searching for their first win on the season. I mean, can they take a lot from this match? I mean, can they take the fact that Maximilio, Maximiliano Oroti did score a goal in this game, that Diego Valeri got, you know, scored a brace in this one? I mean, who, who takes more from this? I mean, Portland or Seattle? Uh, I think if you, I think Seattle's going to come away feeling better about it uh, just because you're on the road against a team that, you know, has caused you problems since Caleb Porter took over. And to be able to get that point. And, and, and remember now, they were missing Brett Evans. They're missing Jimmy Traore. Uh, so they didn't have all their all their hands on deck there, um, and, and they still put together a pretty good game. Obviously, defensively they had some issues. Um, look, and I tell you what, Diego Chara played out of his mind, and it was interesting that it was actually his birthday, and he was for me. I mean, look, Dempsey's going to get all the plaudits. He's going to win the awards. He's going to win Player of the Week, and this and that. I tell you what, Diego Diego Chara, the game he had in that game, uh, you could argue he was as good as anybody in the league this weekend. I mean, he. Was on. I mean, he was just a beast in there. I mean, he not only did he score those two amazing goals. I mean, he was he bossed the middle of the field in that game. And we're talking about a middle of the field that also featured Osvaldo Alonso. He outplayed Alonso in that game. He outplayed everyone in the middle in that game. So if you're Portland, you have to feel pretty good about that. What you can't be feel too great about is the defense still. Uh, Norberto Paparato, there's some serious question marks about him. When is he going to get it together? When is he going to stop making mistakes? Uh, as of right now, he's looking a little shaky, uh, and and he's a kind of a factor, a, a big factor in, in their early struggles. And and obviously, Caleb Porter believes in him. He brought him in to be the answer, uh, to be an upgrade at center back. And right now, he he hasn't played up to that uh, the expectations that that were there for him. Uh, but you know, from an offensive standpoint, concerns about Portland's offense. You have to feel better about that because you saw Valeri get going. You saw Nagby be really active, uh, really involved in the attack. And, uh, you know, if you come away from that and say, hey, and again, like you said, Rudy scoring a goal is big. So I think from that standpoint, you feel good about what the offense showed. But there are still serious questions there about Paparato and that defense. Well, the next time these two teams play it will be on July 13th. Uh, hopefully the game can can live up to to what we saw in this one. I mean, like you know, like we said, goals, shots. I mean, tons of fouls uh, between the two sides in this one. I was moving over to another game. Real Salt Lake took on Sporting Kansas City in in Kansas City. Real Salt Lake looking for a little uh, revenge after losing the MLS Cup there last year. Both teams played. Uh, to a scoreless draw, but I think you know the, it, it was it was even though it was scoreless, Ivis, and, and you know, and you go from one game that had eight goals in, in this game that was scoreless. I mean, this game w- was just as exciting. I mean, there were chances for both sides and, and lots of spectacular play from from both sides. Right. I mean, it, if if you just see the score line, if you just look at the scoreboard and you see the zero zero, you think, oh, this was a snooze fest. Uh, it definitely wasn't. I mean, there, there were there were chances galore. You had some great saves. Uh, RSL backup Jeff Atanella. Antonella steps in for Nick Ramondo and has a, and plays out of his mind. Um, you know, Sporting KC controlled the match for the most part, but you know what? RSL went into that game. They go on the road. They're missing several starters. You know, they already had injury issues, but then Nick Ramondo and Tony Beltran, uh, who you know started in the Mexico game, picked up Knox. They didn't play in this game, so right there, you're talking about some. There's some key pieces to the puzzle missing there. So for them to come away with a point, uh, I think they have to feel pretty good about that. Sporting Kansas City, they created chances, no doubt about it. Dom Dwyer uh, had to be cursing it, uh, cursing his uh, fellow South Florida alum, uh, Antonella, uh, for denying him some chances there. But you know what? If you're KC, if you can get a point against a team like RSL, you'll take it. And, and I think you'll feel pretty good about the way they played. They played some good soccer. They they had the better of the play, uh, but it's a point, you know. And it was funny as I think uh, it was a good game, but it, I think there was actually there might have been more action uh, between these two teams on Twitter after the game than during the game. With uh, you had Nick Ramondo and Dom Dwyer uh, exchanging some tweets, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Uh, it, none none of it got nasty or anything, but it was some good banter back and forth between the two. There, there was a lot of that going on. Uh, you had a uh, you had DeAndre Yedlin's girlfriend and Taylor Twelman battling on Twitter. It's a, it's funny stuff. Uh, that's how, that's how intense Matt, the intense uh, rivalry week was that people were taking to Twitter 
uh, because they were so worked up by these games. Well, I think if you're Real Salt Lake, uh, not that I don't want to go back to the game, Ivis, because I don't have anything to put on on the, on the Twitter feuds. Uh, but but going back, I mean, Real Salt Lake has to take a lot from this game. You know, going on the road, you know, walking away at the point without your number one goalkeeper. And, and I think the big thing for Real Salt Lake, you know, you have you have Rich Balchan in there. I mean, his first appearance in over two years. I saw him in the preseason. I, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, he looked great in this game. And then you also have Abdulli Mansali. He looked pretty good. So for Real Salt Lake, I mean, you have three guys. You have two guys in your back line, and, 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 and you know your placement goalkeeper, and you go into Kansas City and walk away with a point. I mean, look, Real Salt Lake has to be really happy with with, the, with their performance in this one. Without a doubt. I mean, I think you know, as we say over and over, Garth Lagaway, best GM in the business. He finds gems. He keeps that bench stocked, and even when they're missing key players, mm-hmm. several starters. He can make it. He can make it work. And 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 you know, it's it just. I tell you what, that depth is going to come in handy for them as they move on into the season. And I was moving over to the Eastern Conference. Uh, going into this one, we both said that the Columbus Crew would uh, would defeat Toronto FC. Clearly, Toronto FC listened to the show. Michael Bradley said, not so fast, Ivis and Garrett. I'm going to score to prove you guys wrong. And uh, Toronto FC handed Columbus Crew their first loss on the season, uh, shutting them out 2-0. Uh, absolutely great performance for TFC. Think about all the players that are missing. Jermaine Defoe, Jonathan Osorio, Stephen Caldwell, uh, Daniil Henry, uh, right down the middle, four starters. And for them to go into Columbus and boss them and play uh, and just really uh, play a great game uh, against a team that hadn't lost, hadn't lost, dropped a single point uh, in their first three matches, uh, you got to tip your cap to them. Michael Bradley was a beast. I mean, he... His quality was was there for all to see, uh, just with the runs that he makes, his constant, uh, his ability to read the game and put himself in dangerous positions is just so impressive, and uh, he really kind of dictated the tempo there, and I just don't think Columbus had an answer for that. And look, Columbus had had chances, you know, they had some of the ball, but they 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 weren't sharp, and whether it was a case of maybe they overestimated them, I mean maybe they underestimated TFC because TFC was missing so many players. Um, I don't know what happened there, but they didn't play that well. And you got to give credit to Toronto. Toronto made it difficult for them. Uh, defensively, they were very well organized. I thought Bradley Orr was outstanding at center back. He was very vocal throughout the match, kept things organized there. Uh, you know, there were questions, obviously, how would they, how would they handle missing both their starting center backs? Mm-hmm. They take Bradley Orr, who's a right back, they make him, they move him to center back, and then they take a rookie, Nick Haglin, who'd never even played a game, and put him in there and start him against a team like Columbus and. And Haglin held his own. Haglin, you know, he's going to have to let the cat out of the bag a little bit. But he's, you know, SBI uh, MLS Rookie of the Week this week. I mean, he really put in a solid performance, I mean, to, to help them pitch a shot against a team like Columbus at home. Uh, so credit to Toronto. Credit to Ryan Nelson mm-hmm. to make that work. And I know we talked about it. I, I'm pretty sure we're not the only people who just chalked it up right away as a Columbus victory because of the players that were missing. But, again, they still had quality there. They still had, they still had Michael Bradley in the middle to set the tone. I'll tell you what, another player, Kyle Becker. I thought Kyle Becker did well uh, next to Michael Bradley. And it's funny because it's like four days earlier or three days earlier, it's Bradley Beckerman. And then on Saturday, it's Bradley Becker. And and, and they also have another big game. So hats off to Toronto. And if you're Columbus, you know what? There are going to be games like that where things aren't – don't. it doesn't all click. And they'll learn from that. They're still a good team. But they're going to have games like that. Yeah, that was the one thing I really took from this game was the the Columbus crew played how they want to play. I mean, obviously they had tons of possession, like sixty over sixty percent possession. They were able to get overlapping runs, move the ball around efficiently. But I mean, Toronto, like you said, I mean, there's certain games that aren't just going to work out in your way. And Toronto, like you said, was was sound defensively, made the stops when they needed to play. And then for Columbus, I mean, I, I don't think that you you say, oh my gosh, we lost to Toronto. You know, this is a major step in the wrong direction. No, it's not. Columbus had a very good game. Things didn't work out for them. They play they want to play. So, I mean, for Columbus, hey, this was a good measuring stick. I, I guess that's what you can chalk it up to. Right. I mean, I think that, you know, it was a good test for them. I thought, especially someone like Will Trapp, who a lot of people are really high on, he's off to a really good start. And he didn't have a bad game either, but... 81 got, successful passes in this game. Right. He definitely... They knocked the ball around, right? I mean, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of little... Columbus style tiki taka, you know they they try to they try to you know circulate it around and he put up some good numbers there. But at the same time, as much as you look at those stats and they're pretty impressive, you can never really say that when you watch that game, Columbus really had control of that game. They didn't. They didn't. Toronto didn't let them have control of that game because Becker 
Bradley Becker and, and, and Dwayne De Rosario did well to kind of disrupt things and, and to control it in their own way. Um, so again, that's a learning lesson. You you, you take that. That's I, I gotta believe that's Will Trapp's first matchup against Michael Bradley. I'm sure he's gonna take that experience. That's gonna help him get better. And and you know what? They'll move on from there. I'm sure Greg Burhalter will take the opportunity to look at, at look at this footage and and uh, and see what worked, what didn't work, what changes need to be made. I don't think you know you have your first loss and all of a sudden you start shaking things up. But it just lets you know. That it's not you can't just keep rolling when you have a new team and you, you're going to have those kind of growing pains. You're going to hit those bumps in the road. Yeah, I mean, Columbus had five shots on goal. But when, when you look at their shots, I mean, two from outside the 18 and, and, and Toronto just really did a good job of bunching up the middle right there. Uh, I was moving on to another game over in Texas. FC Dallas defeated Houston Dynamo four to one. Uh, you know, I, I think. You know, I, I think you and I wouldn't have been surprised by an FC Dallas win, but I mean, to defeat Houston four to one after Houston, you know, is is going to play sound defense. They're at home; they're a little more organized. I mean, Dallas went in there and just just dominated Houston this weekend. Look, to be fair, number one, I'm not going to take anything away from Dallas. They won three points. They're on a roll, first place in the West. But it should be pointed out, <laughs> it was 1-1. <laughs> details, the red card details, Ivis. It was 1-1 when the, when the red, red card came. David Horst got the red card for the, the foul on uh, Fabian Castillo. And look, you're going to have some people who will question it. I personally question I I didn't think it was a red card. Obviously, anyone in Dallas is going to think it's a red card. And anyone in Houston is going to think it wasn't even a foul, right? I mean, I'm sure, or, or barely a yellow. I think there's some truth in the middle. I think it was a yellow. I don't think it was a straight red. I thought that was a harsh call. But at the same time, Houston just fell apart. I mean, teams need to learn how to be able to – they need to learn how to play down a man. I mean, that's – that that. It, it, it's not enough of an excuse to say, oh, we're down a man. We're going to get dismantled. And we've seen that now in the league a few times where teams get the red card and they fall apart. Uh, not everybody's been that way. Chivas USA, perfect example against Vancouver. They managed the game very well, got a point out of it being a man down for an extended period of time. But I tell you what, Houston, I was just shocked the way they just completely fell apart uh, once they lost horse, once he was out of the match. And look, Javon Watson, you got to give him credit. He took advantage. He made some plays in the penalty area that they, that they just couldn't deal with. And Dallas is rolling. Dallas is rolling right now. And I know people are going to say, hey, they did it last year. They got off to this great start. So don't get all excited. It, the same thing happened last year, and then they fell apart. Look, this year is different. This team is different. The coach is different. They have, a, For me, they have a better coach. They have a more talented team, more dangerous attack. I don't think their defense is as good right now, but again, because, you know, George John is sidelined. Uh, but, you know, you'd like to think he's going to eventually come back, and when he comes back, you have him partnered with Matt Hedges, who's one of, for me, has been one of the best defenders in the league in this season so far. Uh, I mean, who 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 can say how good this team is going to be? And I know, hey, I picked them to make the playoffs. They were that my kind of quote unquote sleeper team coming into the season, and they they look look they look the part. They look legit. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you're Houston, are you, I don't I don't know if they're going to feel too. I mean, obviously they're disappointed. You don't want to get blown up by your your arch rival, but they're going to look at it and say, hey, we had it one one, and then the red card. And Dom Kinnear has to look at it and say, we have to be able to manage that a lot better. We have to be able to, you know, keep things somewhat organized and not make it so easy to get picked apart uh, the way FC Dallas picked them apart after the red card. Well, I mean, every team should know that's FC Dallas' MO now. I mean, get the other team to get a red card. You know, that way FC Dallas can attack a team with 10 players. They did it last week, did it this week. I'm joking, but, I mean, Mauro Mauro Diaz, (laughs) though. Hate mail. Here comes the hate mail. Yeah, I know. Uh, But, but, I mean, like, Really, when you look at this game, Mauro Diaz, once again, just shows what he can do with time and space. And you give him that, I mean, he can just pick you apart. Found Javon Watson. I mean, he did it last week, too. He just, I mean, he, he's connecting really well with Javon Watson, playing those, slicing those balls through the defense where he then runs up uh, Javon Watson and converts it. But, I mean, for FC Dallas, like I said, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I, I don't want to take too much from Houston. I, you know, I was joking, you know, when I said they, they dominated them. But that's the thing, though. I mean, Houston, like you said, they need to, Javon, Javon, I, I'm sorry. I know I got called out last week for being white on the comments. I, I'm white. Um, but, I mean, look, you give the FC Dallas time and space, they're going to pick you apart. And, and like you said, for Houston, 
mean, you have to be able to prevent that. You have to know what's going to come. And, and for Dallas, man, they just they took advantage. And Mario Diaz, man, I mean, he I was, he's he's a special player to watch. Everyone should be watching him every single week. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, we've been saying it for a few weeks now. And I said it before the season. How far this team goes is going to depend on his ability to be the team's playmaker. And he has been everything they could ask for. He is playing, like, on a level, you could argue, comparable to David Ferreira's MLS MVP level of 2010. He, he has been that kind of that dangerous. And obviously, we're talking one month into the season, smaller sample size. Can he carry it on for a full season? The way he's playing right now, he just makes everyone around him better and just makes Dallas that much more dangerous. And it, it, it's, hey, well, man, it's going to be interesting to see uh, when Dallas plays the top teams in the West. I mean, as of right now, they've played, when you look at their schedule, they played Portland, who, you know, is obviously going through some struggles. Uh, they played Kansas City in Kansas City. That's obviously a tough test. They got they got out of there with what you could call a fortunate draw. Uh, but 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 still, they 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 earned it. They 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 stayed in, in range there and they earned themselves a draw. Kudos for that. But there's some teams that are on a different level, uh, in my opinion. When you talk about RSL, LA, Seattle, I think those teams are gonna really test this FC Dallas team. And once we see them against those teams, then I think it'll really tell us just how good they are. And I'm not saying they won't beat those teams. I'm just saying, let's see how they do. Cause that it's going to be exciting to watch to see if they can keep that level, uh, keep playing at that level. Once they do face the league powers in Toronto, FC's defense isn't that bad either. When you look at Dallas's schedule, you said it, they play Seattle April 12th and then they play Toronto FC Saturday, April 19th. Staying in the Easter Conference, I have a Chicago-Philadelphia played to a 2-2 draw. Chicago in the last, like, 30 minutes of the game, like, literally just pounded the Philadelphia Union goal. Uh, then Juan Luis Anagano gets the goal after Mike McGee heads it back into the box. And, I mean, for the Chicago Fire at home, I mean, that's big for them to be able to come back and, and, and salvage a point against the Philadelphia Union. Well, <laughs> I mean, the way the game ended... It's hard not to say the Union salvaged the point because that's true. They get a you know Chicago gets a penalty kick at the very end of the match, the final seconds of the match. Uh, Aaron Wheeler just kind of kick throws up a leg, doesn't realize there are other players, other people are on the field. You know, he throws up a leg in the penalty area, just completely wipes out Anangano. Penalty kick, stoppage time penalty kick. Mike McGee can win the match with his penalty kick. Credit to Zach McMath, he stepped up, made a great save. Uh, to keep the to keep the point. So and it's weird how the the how it ended because it's weird for Philly because before the PK save, if you're Philly, you're looking at it as oh here's another gut wrenching uh, draw in a match they could have won. Uh, and and it's been it's interesting how many of these games there's been that they could have easily gotten a win and they didn't. Uh, so but then now the emotion after the game is 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 a little euphoria because you've just gotten a road point on a last-second penalty save. So you got to feel good about that. Now, John Hackworth, I'm sure, maybe not feeling as good as his players are because if you're Hackworth, you got to be feeling the pressure. you gotta, you, you got to be upset at all the points that have been dropped um, for a team that's, uh, you know, they, they've played good soccer, and that's the thing. Uh, yes, credit to Chicago. Chicago really poured it on uh, as Philly held on to that lead. Um, and uh, But Philly just needs to figure out a way to hold, to maintain leads. They need to... You know, whether it's get an insurance goal, and that's that's what they haven't been able to do is get the insurance goal. I can't think of how many games I've seen them play where they take a one-goal lead and they can't build on it. And insurance goals mean everything, and they haven't been able well, to do that. Well, it also didn't help that Philadelphia near the end of the game was just booming the ball up forward to, to Connor Casey. I mean, Connor Casey's not going to be able to chase down every single ball. I mean, the Union... They just, I don't know, I don't know, if, I don't want to say they gave up, Ivis, but they just lost their identity in the last 20 minutes, and just, they just did not look like they wanted to play at all. They looked like they just would rather go home at that point. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could you could question what the tactics were late in the game, uh, what the game plan was there. I mean, i tell you what, obviously, uh, the trade, the Jack McInerney had Andrew Wenger <laughs> trade, which we, I don't know if we, talk, I don't think we've we talked have yet, about. We, we have yet to talk about, we could talk about yeah. it right now if you want. Yeah, we should talk about it right now. What so, do you think I mean, of the I, trade? I, th- I was, I, I think I, I was surprised, like most of the people were um, when that went down. I think most people are shocked by it. Um, I mean, I read the comments from from uh, from John Hackworth about why they did it. 
I I just I don't know, man. I don't know if I'd have made that trade. Um, I know Philly's frustrated, or they were frustrated with McInerney's finishing. Uh, he really, since his national team call up last year, he's really struggled to to you know be consistent on his finishing. And I think maybe Philly got tired of waiting around for that to come around, so they cut bait uh, on a player who you know he only has I think one more year on his contract after this year. Now they get a player in Andrew Wenger who they like, they they love. I mean they they. The union tried to uh, sign Wenger as a homegrown player, but they tried to claim him as one uh, before he came into the draft uh, and became the number one draft pick a few years back. Versatile player. I'm personally not sold on him being a forward. I always thought, well, I always thought he'd be better suited in the middle, in the in the central midfield, or even in the back as a center back. Uh, but he's, you know, they're they're talking about him as a forward. As a versatile target forward. So we'll, we'll see what he does. But you know what? I'd tell you what, McInerney, I'd tell you, we haven't heard the last of McInerney. I think McInerney's going to go to Montreal and do some things. You know, I had a chance to talk to Frank Clovis on Friday after the trade went down. And I mean, he, it sounds like he's ready to play McInerney and DeVio together. And with Felipe Martins and Justin Matt playing really well, and the way those two guys make runs, uh, they're going to score some goals. They are, the, the impact are going to score. I think they're going to score a lot of goals. The only problem with Montreal, not to get into the whole Montreal tangent, but their defense is atrocious. So, well, and, they, uh, and they have no midfield either. No, they have midfield. They don't mm, have defense. Montreal's just well, a mess everywhere. The only no, thing they have no, for them is Marco DeVaio. The they're a mess in the back. No, what are you t- Come on. They got they got quality in the midfield. Felipe mm-hmm. Martins, Justin Matt, Hernan Bernardiello, Patrice Bernier. They have midfielders. But anyway, we've completely gone off the tangent. Back to the trade. Uh, I like it more for Montreal. Uh, but I tell you what, Andrew Wenger... You know what? We I don't think we've seen the best of Andrew Wenger just yet. Uh, Justin Mapp's the only guy in the Montreal mid- midfield that I actually like. Everyone else, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need to see more of Felipe Martins, man. Yeah, nice. yeah, no, he's not. But I just like you know, I just I don't like Montreal. You know what? The thing is, I've already we already talked how bad they're gonna be this year. So more hate mail, man. You're just you're just ticking all the boxes. I love it. Uh, <laughs> one more thing I, I took from the Chicago Fire game, Philadelphia Union. I, I can't remember what time, what minute of the game was, but Sean Johnson got extremely lucky in this game. I, he if he wants to, not that I want to get off a tangent about Sean Johnson because because he is a great young goalkeeper, but but if he wants to be playing for the World Cup in the future, man, he he really needs to improve. He, he played a ball up the middle to a Philadelphia Union guy, and what a lucky deflection bounced right back to him, and he made the save. I mean, errors like that is why Nick Romano is going to the World Cup as third goalkeeper because he doesn't make stupid bonehead plays like that. Sorry to get off a tangent, but I. If anyone else saw the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was insane what he did. Uh, I'll tell, tell you what, wait, before we move on, yeah. I'm pretty shocked. I'm pretty shocked because of all the things we talked about in that game, mm-hmm. the one thing we didn't talk about. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> Leo Fernandez. Yes, that's right, dude. Keep, keep scoring, Ivis. Your boy, your boy, SBI's favorite player <laughs> on the union because of Garrett. Leo Fernandez. The, I got to say, man, this this kid is having himself a season. I've been saying right. it since week two. Fine. I no, But see, you wanted to put him on like billboards and stuff. And I'm like, settle down. He's not there yet. But look, credit to him. He's playing really well. He's taking advantage of the opportunities that he gets, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. He's, he's, he's raised his game to a new level. And, and it's impressive because when you think about what he, where he's come from, I mean, small school kid, uh, you know, lightly regarded. I had a chance to spend some time with him last year, get to know him a little bit and, you know, he he was kind of just a under the radar guy, and now he's he's really been one of those kind of revelations for that team. Um, you know, all, all the newcomers are getting all the recognition. Maidana, Nogueira, and they deservedly so. Nogueira for me, one been one of the best newcomers in the league. Uh, but this kid, man, uh, you know what? Maybe you saw the future. Maybe you you saw you, you saw it in a dream that Leo Fernandez will be a star. And you know what? If he ends up being one. You'll get the credit. No, you know, I just saw a good player that just makes runs off the ball that works. You know, so many forwards we see just sit there and wait for the ball to get to them. Dude, he, he works his tail off almost every single game. I mean, I, I thought after the goal, he I mean, the whole Philadelphia Union team just looked horrible in the second half. But I don't know, man. I, I, I like I just I like the way he plays. Uh, no, enough of my love song, Ivis. Moving on. LA Galaxy <laughs> defeated Chivas USA. I mean, I feel like, no offense to Chivas USA fans, but I feel like it's expected for the Galaxy just to trounce them. They beat LA Galaxy, defeats Chivas USA 3-0 uh, to zero on Sunday, Ivis. That, that game was on Sunday. And, uh, I mean, Robbie Keane opens up the scoring. I mean, Landon, I mean and, and, and LA Galaxy, I mean, they just put on a clinic in this game. Right. I mean, what's funny is, obviously, Chivas USA has gotten off to a surprisingly good start. 
they've shown well in some games. They, you know, they they look clearly a better team than they were last year. But then they play the Galaxy, and it's like it's like they, I don't know. It's like they had to read from the old script. They they didn't play well at all. They didn't show any of the quality that they've shown earlier in the season. And LA and, you, and look, credits LA LA Galaxy. They caused that to some degree, and they played well themselves. So there's a certain confidence that that you gain from playing a team that you own and and traditionally own, and I think that worked in their favor. And maybe it also worked against Chivas USA. Maybe maybe there are certain players on Chivas USA who just don't know how to beat the Galaxy, and so they go in there and it's kind of like in their heads already that they're going to lose those games. Whatever it was, it was an impressive performance by LA and some quality individual performances. Obviously, you know Juninho. Omar Gonzalez, I thought, rebounded well. I mean, as bad as he was against Mexico, I thought he bossed this game pretty well. Um, and Landon Donovan, you know, he was very active. He didn't score, but he did get an assist, and he was all over the field, had some had some really good chances, uh, which, you know, uh, for U.S. fans who were worried about his knee and the fact that he didn't start against Mexico, and, oh, is, this, is he going to break down? Is he going to not be there? But, hey, he looked active. He looked good. Uh, so you know what? This L.A. team, don't forget about this L.A. team. They've only Before Sunday, they'd only played two games, right? Both against RSL, a loss and a win. I mean, a loss and a tie. And people, you know, not to get it. Look, power rankings, obviously, very subjective. Everybody does them. I kind of, in a way, I hate them. But we do them. You know, we do them on SBI. We do them on, we will, we'll start doing them on Goal.com this week. Uh, and, but it, it just shocked me that some people had L.A. ranked, you know, 10th or, you know, not in the top eight even. And it's because, you know, they'd only played two games, both against arguably the best team in the league right now. And you're going to rank them eighth? L.A. is absolutely, the Galaxy are without a doubt one of the top three teams in the MLS. No question about it. When they have everybody on deck, one of the best three teams in the league. And I think we're going to start seeing that now. Now that the Champions League is behind them. Now that there's, you know, they have to obviously go through the schedule that's condensed a bit because of the Champions League, but I think now we'll start seeing them get rolling. And I'll tell you what, I think this LA team is going to be significantly better than last year's. Uh, New York Red Bulls and Montreal Impact played to a 2-2 draw. Montreal was all over New York's defense. We we, we talked about that without Hamas and Alave. I mean, we knew New York's defense was going to suffer in this one. But, I mean, New York did have a good game. Johnny Steele did get a goal. Your boy, Felipe Martins, Ivis, uh, very good Montreal Impact midfielder, did score in this one. Uh, so, I mean, for both teams, Ivis, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you take from this one? Well, if you're New York, you got to be pretty ecstatic. Because to go to Montreal... And look, we know Montreal is not a good team. We know they're one of the lower lower ranked teams in the league. But to go on the road without Tim Cahill, Terry Henry, Hamasin Olave, <clears throat> Dax McCarty, who didn't start but did play in the second half, but those four guys to not have them in your starting lineup and to go on the road and get a point, you got to be pretty you got to be pretty ecstatic. And like you said, Montreal had tons of chances. They could have buried this team, buried this team. But hats off to Luis Robles, kept them in the game made some outstanding saves. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, what looked like was going to be a pounding in the first half, turned around, the Red Bulls throw two goals together in, like, short time. Lloyd Sam, nice ball. Johnny Steele, goal and assist. And bam, all of a sudden it's 2-1. And uh, Montreal just didn't know what happened. You know, they, they they went from, we're winning this fight, we're probably going to blow it open, to holy crap, we're behind. And there's still going to be some growing pains with this Montreal team. But I tell you what. If Frank Lopez can figure this defense out, if he can go get a top center back, a quality center back to partner with Matteo Ferrari, this team could do something. Because I think, for me, their attack has a lot of promise. I mean, I think Felipe Martinez showed what he can do. He had a goal and an assist. He had a great ball for the opening goal by Andres Romero. And then, obviously, he scored the nice header, unmarked header, uh, uh, for the second goal. But you get Martinez, you get Justin Mapp, who's still playing great. Uh, and then, you know, Marco DeVaro, Jack McInerney, they, they, they got some nice pieces there. The question is the defense. Uh, you can't, you're not going to win many games with Hasun Kamara as your center back. You're just not. So until they get that sorted out, uh, they're going to have problems. Uh, DC defeated New England Revolution. Ivis, they're DC's first win since last August. Don't look now, but DC's only two points out of the playoff picture. Seriously, though, DC, though, did get a win. Big for them, but I think... The surprising thing from this is still the the uninspiring play from the New England Revolution. Who are I, I don't know what is going on with them right now, Ivis. But I mean, they, you could say that they are, are the most disappointing in the league team in, in the league right now. After 
you know, we thought they were going to be really good this year, and a lot of other people thought they were going to be good this year. I mean, what is going on with New England? I wish I knew. I got to tell you, watching that team, it just, and I don't know, man, it's a shell of its former self. And look, obviously they lost Juan Nagandello. That's a big loss. They haven't they haven't made up for that. You know, they went and got Till Bunbury. Bunbury hasn't really been that guy. He hasn't really provided the answer for them there. And look, you know, they've had their injuries here and there. You know, not, you know, having Kellen Rowe uh, is big for them. I mean, he's a he's a key, key player for them. I mean, he's a guy who I had pegged to have a monster year this year. Now he's been injured. Uh, so once right away, you're missing him and it, it, it doesn't quite click as well. Uh, and then so you, you take him, you take Agadello, two major pieces of their attack. And they're struggling. No doubt about it. They're struggling. Um, and then you have Jose Gonzalez. I mean, think about it. The guy was the best defender in the league last year. Best defender. And now this year, he's distracted. He's got these, he's, he's a, unhappy with his contract. He set out a game. Now he's back and he, you know, he has his own goal. And it's like, you, you know, you can say, oh, well, it was one play. You can't kill him for one play. But it's like in the context of what the season's been. I mean, think about the Houston opener, the opener against the Dynamo. Gonzalez had a shocker there. So, you know, if if he's going to go from being one of the being the best guy in the league, best defender in the league, to a guy who's costing you games, it's tough to make up for that. So you take that and you take Kellen Rose's absence and Agadello's departure, you can kind of understand why this team is struggling. And uh, even with that, though, you got Lee Wynn, uh, Diego Fagundes. I mean, I don't know, man. They should be creating more chances. And the fact that they have as many own goals – as actual goals. It's crazy. Well, I mean, I mean, you wonder, I mean, is it the formation with New England? I mean, is it Andy Dorman right there in the middle? I mean, look, play, playing the system that they play, I mean, that he, you know, being in between the midfield and the defense, I mean, he plays an important role right there. I mean, you just, with with New England, I mean, it's, it's like, where do you begin with them? It's it's very tough to put the finger on what the exact piece on, on why they're struggling. It's very it's very strange. Well, you mentioned Andy Dorman, and, and I, I said it, I feel like I said it last year. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's not. When he was in New England the first go-around, attacking. before he went to Europe, he was an attacking player. You could play him wide. You could play him centrally. He got involved in the attack. He could combine. He could shoot. He could score his own goals. Now it's like he's been kind of just forced into this position because they don't have anyone else. And he's not the guy. He is not the guy that's going to boss the middle uh, like some other teams have. And, and, and if they don't go get somebody who can hold that position down, they're going to struggle. They're absolutely going to struggle. You know what? I would take Andrew Farrell. I'd put him in the middle because the guy covers unbelievable amount of ground. He 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 can be a destroyer. And you you know I, I don't know what what the status is of Kevin Alston right now, but if Kevin Alston is healthy, go put Kevin Alston right back and put Andrew Farrell as a defense midfielder. Let let him be that anchor in front of the defense, and he'll get the job done. I am per, I am absolutely convinced he will get the job done. Um, he's not a right back. And, and we all know this. He's not a right back. He's playing right back. He's doing a, am, an absolutely admirable job there because he could pretty much go anywhere you put him. He'll 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 give you something because he's a good player. But this team needs some bite in the middle. They need someone to clean things up in the middle to be a four middle. And is Andy Dorman that guy? No. Is Scott Caldwell that guy? Not really. For me, unless you go get somebody, I think you I think you should think about Andrew Farrell. That's what I'm wondering, man. I mean, I, look, Andy Dorman's a good player, but just in the system that they're playing, oh, man, I, I don't know. They're just New England, man, they, they need to figure out something pretty quickly. Even though I will say, first five games of the season, four on the road, I, look, that is difficult. Maybe, maybe we need to be more lenient. Give another month, you know, once they it's start early. getting home. But It's early. But, it's early. But it's just surprising just to see that with the talent they have, the midfield just bleh. Um Final game of the weekend. I was Colorado. We're gonna give. We're gonna give we got to give DC a little love. They, they it's their first win in like ninety nine months. Okay, yeah, yeah, bad. yeah. Um, what do you want? What do you, <laughs> good job, you DC. Wanna, good job, DC. I said they're two points off the playoff race. Come on, is that is that not enough love? <laughs> All right, we're not gonna. Hey, let's, okay, fine. We're not clearly. Garrett hates DC as well. He why? Hates why are you let's, run, it... let's, let's run down all the teams that you pissed off today. Uh, Montreal, Dallas, Montreal, FC Dallas, and now DC United. Yeah, okay. you hate Montreal. You said that you hate Montreal. Actually, when did I, I say that? I'm pretty sure that's on the show already. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Reckless. Chris Rolfe scores in the opener, and again, it was an insurance goal. It was late. New England was pushing to get get an equalizer. Chris Rolfe scores. What a way to, for him to start. 
I mean, obviously, it, it was sad to see him leave Chicago. I mean, someone so associated with Chicago, someone who had been on that team for so many years. Obviously, he went to Europe for a few years. But someone who has been such a, uh, a key figure on that team to get started with a goal in his very first game in D.C., you know what? He could end up being a, a good, big pickup for them. I mean, you know, who knows if they're going to turn the season around, but I think that could end up being a pretty smart pickup. Uh, Colorado defeated Vancouver Whitecaps 2-1. to one. I was kind of same situation as FC Dallas and, uh, and Houston. Red card late really changed the outcome uh, of this game. Jose Mari scored two late goals. I mean, just gorgeous strikes for Colorado, who, uh, who, who just seemed just everything just seems to be working out for the Rapids right now, um, I mean, for them to go on, on the road and, and, and to defeat Vancouver, I mean, that, that's a huge win for them. Well, th- this one's a little different um, because where the where the Houston loss after the red card, it, it looked like they just fell apart. Colorado just scored two amazing goals, and it just happened to come after the red card. Now, you could question, oh, well, if Matias Laba doesn't get red carded, you know, they don't get that free kick. This lead to the first goal. He's on the field. Maybe he can shut down Jose Mari. You could say all these things, all well and good. But I mean, I mean, let's face it; those goals were pretty sick. I mean, especially the first goal. Yeah, Jose Mari's first goal. Uh, definitely a, a goal of the week contender, uh, uh, along with like half the goals in the Seattle Portland game. Um, but Colorado, you know what? They stayed in. They stayed in that game. They had some chances. Uh, Deshaun Brown definitely should have had at least a, at least a goal in that game. Uh, but they, I don't know. They, they're a little still. There's something up there. Their defense is still sorting sorting things out. I think they gave up too many chances. Um, they're pretty. They were pretty lucky to only be down one one zero at that point when they got the two goals from Jose Mari. Um, but look, if Jose Mari is going to give you that kind of quality, uh, I mean, man, there's so many options. There's so many options for for, for Mastro to, to 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 turn to there. Uh, picking lineups has got to be a headache for him because so many you can go in so many different directions. Um, but you know what? Hats off to the Rapids. I mean, they didn't have Marvell win. Uh, you know, they had to go with uh, a little bit of a makeshift defense, and then they did all right. They held they held their own against Vancouver, uh, handing Vancouver their first loss of the season and doing it on the road. So credit to Pablo Mastroeni on the Rapids. Ivis, on Sunday, reports surfaced from the Atlanta Const- – I'm sorry, from the – uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution that it looks like on April 16th, a new Major League Soccer club, which will be the 22nd team, will be announced. Uh, looks like Falcons owner Arthur Blank is going to be the owner of this one. This has been a long time coming. We, we, we've seen this coming, and it looks like it's it's finally going to be official. Atlanta is going to get a Major League Soccer team. Yep, just like just like everybody drew it up. Uh, it's not that surprising. <laughs> No, I mean, come on. We've been talking about Atlanta for, for months now. Months, yeah. It was pretty much a foregone conclusion. Now it's a done deal. It sounds like it's a done deal. It always was going to happen. And it's funny because I was just down there in November. And the sense I got in that city is that this is a city that could absolutely handle an MLS team. And I think an MLS team could thrive there. And I know people will say, oh, well, you know, the Silverbacks, you know, they don't really draw, blah, blah, blah. You can never use that as a comparison because – there's a big difference between being a lower division team that spends small money, that doesn't have star players, that doesn't have, that doesn't play opponents that bring in star players. You can't compare that level. I mean, I was, I, I brought it up. I remember bringing it up when Toronto first came into the league. Um, you know, the, there was the talk about the team that was in Toronto before Toronto FC. Forget the name of the team at the moment, but they drew like two thousand, three thousand, and then Toronto Toronto FC hit when they first started. And they they would pack BMO Field every single game. Um, you could look at Seattle as well. I mean, Seattle wasn't drawing for you know thirty, forty, fifty thousand for the for their USL pro USL you know team and, and all and the, the USL version of the Sounders. It's a different level. And I think Atlanta, once they get that MLS team there, I think they're going to do great. I think it's a great sports city. And uh, I, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to going out there. Well, I I find it always funny when when what you just said the comment that you said that that oh Atlanta doesn't draw well. I mean Atlanta they, last year they averaged over four thousand people per game, and, and for second division people go okay, well is that good for second division? That's great for second division. I mean most teams would kill to average over four thousand people a game, and like you said, it's not a good measuring stick, but. I mean, hey, 4,000 there? I mean, when you get that MLS Cup, you're going to get that boost of double, triple attendance uh, on top of that. So, And, and then, I mean, the owner is the, the Falcons' owner. I mean, you know, success with the Atlanta Falcons. 
Uh, I mean, the team looks like it will begin playing 2017 is, is when that new billion-dollar stadium is going to be built. The renderings look freaking awesome. If you haven't seen the rendering of the new stadium that this new Atlanta team is going to play in, seriously, go check it out. But, uh, I mean, it looks, it looks like every, on paper, it looks like it's going gonna, it's gonna to start off on the right foot on paper, even though they all will, but, but this looks like it's really going to start off on the right foot. Well, they don't all not, they don't all start off on the right foot, at least from a stadium standpoint. That's true. I mean, NYCFC doesn't have a stadium, and Miami is still kind of ha- they still have their fingers crossed about whether they're gonna where exactly they're gonna be able to get a stadium. So, Atlanta, that's why they're you know kind of uh, jumping the line a bit. And uh, you know, it's funny. I thought the Miami announcement. I thought there was an official Miami announcement, but I guess there wasn't. I guess the whole Beckham uh, press event, press conference, and and scarfs and all that. That I guess that wasn't an official event because now everyone's talking about Atlanta as being Team 22 and and Miami being not being Team 22. I guess it's uh, you know it looks like because of that because of, hey Atlanta they actually have a stadium ready to go they get to jump the line. But for me I tell you what at the end of the day it's going to be Miami it's going to be Atlanta it's going to be Orlando and then you're going to have that southwest corner go from being empty from MLS and an MLS standpoint to filled with three teams and I think that's great I think it helps fill out the league's footprint and helps cater to a, a, an area of the country that is big is big for soccer. I mean Atlanta, funny enough, right? Uh when when you want to talk and I always kind of use SBI and SBI statistics and readership. Yes, cuz they mean uh, everything in the soccer world in case well, anyone's wondering. In a, in American soccer it's a good kind of measuring stick. I'm just saying. We're what, just, what city you know, what city gets the most hits? Uh, Los Angeles. Okay. But uh but anyway, so of cities that don't have MLS teams, Atlanta has traditionally been one of the top, top cities. I mean, you're talking uh, Atlanta. Look at you playing up to the home crowd I'm already. Just, I'm just saying. Look that, at like, you. Everyone in Atlanta a... listening to this show is like, yeah, yeah. Well, they, are, well, they probably are. Yeah, well, I the is, fact yeah. that they're listening, they already know because they're part of the reason that that's the case. But you have them. You have uh, Minneapolis. You have Austin, Texas, which is you know I've always kind of been a little surprised by. So – Atlanta, they have soccer fans there. They have American soccer fans there, and I think they're going to do great. I think they're going to put up. I think they're going to put up some good numbers once they actually start playing. Uh, I moving over to we we, we could talk. We'll, we'll talk more about this Atlanta thing next week when the announcement's made and and, and we learn more details and all that stuff. Uh, moving over to the Americans abroad front, Ivis. It was a very good weekend. Danny Williams, Aaron Newhanson, and uh, 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 oh my God, I'm blanking on the last guy you wrote Bedoya. it down. But uh, thank you, Bad- yeah, Alejandro Bedoya. Thank you. I, I lost my notes. They all scored this weekend. Uh, I mean, that's great for all three of these guys. You know, Aaron Newhanson, Bedoya. They, they look more set to be going to Brazil. But for Danny Williams, man, he's a player. Ivis, where he's on the fringe, knocking on the door, looking for an opportunity to go to Brazil to score a goal this weekend to have positive performance, which he's had over the last couple weeks, capping it off with a goal. I mean, what a great weekend for him. He's been on fire. There's no other way to say it. He's helped. He's been a key force in Reading FC climbing into a promotion playoff spot in the league championship. They're currently in sixth place. Now they've extended their lead ahead of Nottingham Forest for that sixth place spot by five points. Danny Williams, a guy who's not known for scoring goals. Uh, I don't know if he ever scored a goal in, in the Bundesliga. Uh, I know he didn't score a goal at Reading on, uh, in the first half of the season. Now he has three goals in seven games. Three goals in his last seven games, all wins, and today and and uh, this weekend, game-winning goal in a one-zero victory. So he is he is definitely making a case to be looked at, to be considered by Jurgen Klinsmann, and obviously he is being considered. He was part of the team that beat that lost to Ukraine. He he you know he got in as a, as a substitute, second half substitute, and I gotta say that the the the, the fight for those spots, defensive midfield, is, is so competitive. Think about it. Jermaine Jones, Kyle Beckerman, Marisa Du, Danny Williams, all those guys uh, could could conceivably be going to Brazil. Jurgen Klinsmann would have to pick two of those guys. Maybe, maybe, maybe three, right? Maybe three. But one of those guys is going to stay home. And uh, it just shows you the depth they have, especially at that position. So, uh, you know, Danny Williams hasn't given up yet. I think for me, I, I think we'll see all four of those guys at the camp in May. I think Klinsman is going to want to get a look at those guys. And, and you know what? That's, if anything, that depth is why they can afford to move Michael Bradley into in a, more of an exclusive attacking midfield role uh, as we saw him against Mexico. I think he just needs to, to stay do that and stay in that kind of role. But Danny Williams, you got to give him credit. You know, he left the Bundesliga. He went to England. 
And I know some people might look at it and say, why would you leave the Bundesliga for, for English second division? But look, the, the English second division is a good league. I mean, if you look at some of the line, some of the rosters and some of the lineups in that level, they're, they're players that you've heard of. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, 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 the, he's also, he's to, also playing a lot more too. He's starting every game. Yeah, and which, that's, that's obviously huge. what, yeah, that's big for him. He, you know, he when he was at Hoffenheim, he didn't necessarily play much. Now he's gotten a full season of starts at his preferred position. So he, it's it's the move has been exactly what he wanted, which was an opportunity to keep himself in the picture for the World Cup, and he's done that. You know, he has that opportunity. Uh, would I take him over Maurice Du or Kyle Beckerman? That probably not, but at least he's in the conversation. At least he will give himself a fighting chance. I. I gotta think that Danny Williams will have a place at the camp in May, and have his chance when he's matched up with everybody to show what he can do. I mean, I would take Kyle Beckerman all day. I mean, come on, Evans, we we don't need to go into that conversation. To answer your question about Danny Williams, he did score in the Bundesliga in the 2012-2013 season. Also, his goal this past weekend was was just. It was a beauty. Go to go to the website, and then just go to Ivis's, you know, soccerivis.net. Type in Americans abroad. You could see it. Uh, we also said Alejandro Bedoya scored. His goal was also nice, a header uh, and a loss. But I mean, Bedoya, Ivis, that's a guy that just, I mean, he just doesn't seem to go away and, and continues to have positive performances in the French league. He's going to be there. I, I, I think uh, he, he. I don't. Sometimes I don't. I don't feel like he gets the credit he deserves, or he doesn't get the the uh, the adoration of U.S. national team fans. That some other flashier players get, but the guy gets the job done. He's he, he's he, he's he's more skilled than he gets credit for being. But he gets he the reason he's such a good a good player to have is because of the work rate, because of of uh, just his tireless motor, uh, and he can play and the soccer. Obviously, the soccer is important. You know, he can combine, he can cross, uh, he can press defensively, but he can also get involved in the attack. Uh, so for me, the move, to, obviously the move to the French league, you, you, you know, you wondered when he went there, like, would he play? How would that work out for him? It's been great. He's played a ton this year and, uh, he is going to be on the team. You know, what, what I'm really curious to see is where Klinsman sees him fitting in. And if he has a realistic chance of getting playing time, because I got to tell you the the midfield is pretty crowded as it is, right? The midfield is loaded, uh, with options. When you talk about Donovan and Zuzi and Dempsey and, um, you know, Aaron Johansson, if you want to play him, and if you're using a 4-2-3-1, do you use him there? Uh, Julian Green is in the conversation, you have to say, as a possibility for the World Cup. So, uh, you know what? Bedoya's going to have a lot of competition for minutes at the World Cup, but I'm pretty. it's a pretty safe bet he will be there. Uh, some bad news, though, that did, that did come. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Before we go into that, also, Aaron Johansson scored again. I mean... It's expected that he scores every weekend, so congratulations, Aaron Hansen. Keep right. keep it up. Yeah, it just keeps it rolling. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's he's cha- he's trying to challenge Josie Altador's record. I think he's five away now from tying it. I think it's it's obviously in range. I mean, he has another month or so to 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 do it. But uh, you know, he did miss a chance at the end to win it for his team for Azed. So I think from that standpoint, you know, he's probably not happy about this performance. But another goal for him. Just keeps it rolling, and I got to tell you, man, I want to see this four four two. I want to see the Josie Altador and Hansen tandem. I agree. Oh, what? Uh, I was I agree with you. I would love to see them up top. I'd love to see Josie work work with someone like with like Johansson up top. Yep, and if not, if, and if Altador is just really not in form, go with Dempsey and Johansson. I mean, I think they could work well together too. So you know, all sorts of possibilities. I think. I think. Johansson has played well enough to, to earn himself some minutes, and I think he's going to have some minutes at the World Cup. Uh, keeping it positive, I was Tim Howard and Everton uh, blinked Arsenal this past weekend. Everton's on a six-match winning streak. They're now one point out from a Champions League spot. It wouldn't be an automatic qualifier. Uh, just because the way the Champions League is set up. But, I mean, Everton, Ivis, and, and Tim Howard. I mean, Everton's having a good year, but but Tim Howard's having an, an even better year. I mean, this is Tim Howard, one of his best years he's ever had in the Premier League, if if not the best. Eh, it's up there, no, no doubt about it. But the, for Everton, for seasons that Everton has had since he's been there, I mean, this is definitely one of the best. And they, they, they're on the doorstep now. I mean, they just bossed Arsenal. And I know Arsenal, I know Arsenal is not playing well at the moment, and they look, they're teetering right now. They look like they're ready to fall over. But credit to Everton on a roll. Roberto Martinez has just done an un, unbelievable job there. Uh, and you know what? They're right there. They're one point behind Arsenal for fourth place, and they have a game in hand, which is big. Obviously, they win the game in hand. They're all of a sudden in fourth place. 
two points on Arsenal. So it's all there for the taking, uh, and they can do it. I think they absolutely can do it. Arsenal looks really shaky, and if Tim Howard keeps playing that well, I mean, he could be playing in Champions League come the summer. Uh, some bad news, uh, Gucci on you. I've suffered an injury. You know, he. I, I don't want to say he was, you know, going to go to Brazil, but he did have an opportunity to go to Brazil. But I mean, having this injury, having this setback, I mean, that's really going to hamper his chances, and, and it really kind of puts him on the back burner for a possibility of going to the World Cup. Well, I mean, I don't know what the injury, how serious the injury is, so I don't know if we can necessarily say whether or not it's going to affect his chances. So until we know that, I think it's pretty much wait and see. I think he's on the outside looking in right now, but uh, if he's healthy, I think he's going to be in the gen- in in the May camp. I think that's uh, I think that's a given. Uh, if he's healthy, even even if you know, let's see how serious the injury. I haven't seen anything suggesting it's a major major injury. Uh, if it's not, I mean, I think he actually he came on he came off at halftime of Sheffield Wednesday's uh, loss to Leicester City. So from that standpoint, I can't imagine it was that serious if he if he stayed on till halftime and then came off. And, I think it's a little bit of wait and see there, but uh, don't go writing him off just yet. As much as I know, a lot of people absolutely want to write him off, especially after the game yet against Ukraine. Also, Michael Orozco uh, suffered an injury. I mean, same cases on Yevus. Yeah, we we need to wait and see. I think it was a hamstring. I think I think that might have been what it was. So he might miss some games, but I think he's had enough of a, a good season at, at Puebla, uh, enough starts in a row as a starting defender for them that I think. He'll be in the mix. He'll be he'll be someone who gets called in for the May camp. Obviously, you know he would have been called in for the Mexico friendly, but we all know what happened there. Thanks a lot, Puebla. Uh, but yeah, so I, you know I wouldn't worry too much about Orozco. Hopefully, it's not anything too serious, and and maybe he'll just went, uh, miss a couple of weeks. Also, over the weekend, Ivis Jose Torres uh, had a nice had a nice outing, but uh, received a red card uh, for Tigres, Ivis. What do you want me to tell you? I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you want? I mean, you, you listed it down for things we should talk about. So uh, he's feisty. Well, no, you know what? He's He's been on a roll for them, and they've been on a roll. They, you know, they, they've had some pretty good results. And he obviously has been scoring. He, he had a couple of goals last week. He's he's done really well. He wants to be in that conversation. I don't know. I got to say, though, I don't know if he's a lock for the May camp. You know, uh, I think uh, I, I'm still a little surprised he wasn't called in for this uh, for the friendly against Mexico. I thought that was a little surprising. But um you know, we talked about it earlier. There's a lot of competition in central midfield and where do you put him? Here's the question, right? Is he an advanced player? Like is he a attacking midfielder? Is he a winger? No. Is is he a winger? No. Is he a playmaker? No. Is he a defensive midfielder, a pure defensive midfielder? Not really. Uh and not necessarily better than the other options that you have. So He's a good player in the, but it's just how does he fit into what Jurgen wants to do? Jurgen Klinsmann wants to do. So, from that standpoint, I think he could end up not even getting an invite to May. Although I personally would like to see him in May, just to see him within the group, get an opportunity. Uh, I think he's had a really good, especially in the Clausura. He's had a really good Clausura season with, with Tigres after not playing much in the first half. So he's doing everything he can to be there to make another run at the World Cup after playing in 2010. But right now, I think he's on the outside looking in. I have a slate on uh, on Sunday night after the U.S. women's national team defeated China 2-0 in Denver. Uh, U.S. soccer has made a coaching change. Uh, Tom Sermani is out, unexpectedly fired. He did not see it coming. You, uh, there's a piece already on uh, soccerbyivis.net. Uh, but, I mean, this is kind of surprising, Ivis. With World Cup qualifying coming up, he, he was off to a great start with the U.S. Women's National Team. He's experimenting with players, experimenting with formations, and all of a sudden just thanks and no thank you from U.S. soccer. I mean, very very surprising that he got fired. Right. I mean, I, I don't think anyone saw this one coming, uh, honestly. Even as much as as much as they were struggling, uh, you know, they looked bad at the All-Golf Cup, uh, you know, all that. Clearly, he was experimenting. Clearly, he's been trying younger players out, newer players. He's been experimenting with formations. They played the 4-3-3 against, against China. They played the 4-3-3 a few games here, uh, you know, trying to play, get all the forwards on the field that they have there. When you, you know, he, They obviously have quite a few forwards at their disposal. So he absolutely was handling the job like someone who expects to be there all the way through the World Cup. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, what is this about? And at this point, no one knows for sure. 
Even Sermani doesn't know. And if Sermani does know, he's done a great job of pretending he doesn't know because he's already done, it seems like, a half dozen interviews on Sunday night. He did one with our intrepid women's soccer writer on SBI, Caitlin Murray, who spoke to Sermani on Sunday evening. And, you know, he pretty much said the same thing, that, you know, he he didn't see it coming. He had no he had no sense that there was any trouble uh, in the setup. And, and here he is. Now he's out the door. And now you want to see... What direction Sunil Galati and U.S. soccer goes in when, when we're talking about being a year and a half away from the World Cup? Do you think it was the, the poor performance the U.S. women's national team had at, at that cup? or, or, or it's, it's surprising. I mean, I, some people on Twitter were saying player revolt, I guess. I, I don't know. I guess maybe we'll never know, but it's just, it's just bizarre, man. It's just very strange. Well, you know, when you think about the fact that he's incorporating new players – did he ruffle some feathers among the older players? I mean, that's all complete conjecture. We don't know. We haven't heard anything uh, legitimate or solid to even suggest that. I mean, that's kind of when you look at it from the outside, you kind of try to just guesstimate what happened. I mean, that's one when, when you kind of look at it, you say, is that it? Maybe some of the veterans weren't sold on him or weren't happy with what he was doing. Uh, but again, we don't know. We don't know. And, and according to him, he had no idea. He had no sense that there was anything wrong. So from that standpoint, if he had no idea, if he genuinely had no idea, then you you really wonder where this all came from. Uh, well, U.S. Soccer will elaborate more on it tomorrow. They're having a press release, so I'm sure everyone check the website, soccerbyivis.net, and, uh, and hopefully there will be more information on all of this. Ivis, as we wrap up today's late show or early morning show for you, it's like 4 a.m., uh, anything else we need, to, we need me to talk about before I let you go to bed? Uh, good question. No, I think we've all caught up. I think, yeah. This is definitely one of the later shows we've done. This so. is probably the latest show. I think we were not the, the latest, but maybe it's pretty top late. five. It's, it's uh, yeah, probably. So I think we covered what we needed to cover now. And the good thing about getting this show in the can and ready to roll for Monday morning is it increases the chances that we'll have a midweek show. Uh, to hopefully Tuesday, we'll knock one out. Hopefully, we can get a guest or two. Uh, but yeah, I think we're ready to go. So I think we covered everything we needed to cover, and uh, you know, get that Q and A going for Wednesday. So get those questions to us to ask, you know, hashtag ask the SBI show. You don't have to wait for show night. You can send it during the week. We'll still see it. Yeah, and they always don't have to be soccer-related questions. You know, you can ask Ivis about his fantasy baseball team. If you have fantasy baseball questions, he can answer those for you or or, or, or other stuff, you know? I mean, we, we could we could mix it up sometimes, Ivis. We could talk TV. We could talk The Walking Dead. See, oh, did you watch it? The, yes, I did. Oh, it was good. Dude, it was good. how it was nasty. Good. Dude, the, yeah, I, I'm, right, stop, stop, stop. What? No spoilers. Uh, we could talk about The Walking Dead. We could talk about The Game of Thrones, which just came back. And a great, great first episode of the new season for those of you who watch Game of Thrones. It's a great show, one of my favorites. So, uh, yeah, we could talk TV all day uh, and obviously soccer. I, I can't talk TV all day. I watch maybe, like, I commit myself to one show and that's it. I, I don't even have time to watch TV. I'm really? Just, I'm just too busy, dude. I, I'm, I'm too <laughs> occupied with, with all my jobs and... I mean, and then Divas FC, we're going for the championship on Monday night. You know, I, I got I got to think tactics again, for five again, hours tomorrow. Again? Well, tomorrow night Another we're going cha- we're going we're going for the league championship tomorrow night. Well, no regular know. season championship, then the playoffs start. What was the what was the what was the title you guys won before? I thought you guys already won something. Well, we we won the we we last time when I that was that was awesome. I invited the local supporters group in Phoenix, and they like brought flares, and they all got hammered before the game. And they were like singing, but we won the playoffs. But if we win tomorrow night, we win the league tie. We win like the regular season title, and we get free T-shirts. I mean, who doesn't love free T-shirts? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. It sounds like you guys are a pretty good team. That's I what know. I'm saying. I, I should I should be coaching. That's what it is. You know, I'm all, well, all, it, all the tactics that I'm doing. You know, switching my team to a four three three. Come on, I was I should be coaching. Well, listen, whatever whatever helps your team win despite your presence in the defense it has to be pretty. Has to be quality work. Yeah, it just has to be. I got I got killed last week, and everyone was giving me crap for it. Um, all right, Davis, that uh, <laughs> that wraps up the show, man. Uh, it's so much easier to do this show when we're in the same room. Although the audio is not as good, apparently. I know, I know, it is much easier. Plus, we don't have to do it. I I, I doing these late shows, man. They they just kill me. They just kill me. Kill you? It's four thirty where I am. What are you talking about? Yeah, but you're a vampire. <laughs> We've already established this, this though. This is true. This is true. Or a bat. I mean, come on, Ivis. Realistically, I mean, you pull you pull all nighters all the time. It's like it's like you're a college senior again. 
Uh, I tell you what, I'm getting old, man. I can't do it. I can't do it like I used to, man. I remember, I remember my 20s when I could pull all nighters like every day. I always talk about the 2002 World Cup, where you know it was pretty epic. It was my first World Cup that I covered, and my my schedule at the 2002 World Cup pretty much consisted of working from 9 a.m. to midnight, partying from midnight to 6 a.m., and then sleeping three hours. And I did that for a month straight, and it was great. And you could totally do that. I was like 27 at the time. Mid twenties, twenty seven. Oh man, I can't 20s. do that anymore. Uh, I mean, I can't either. I mean, it, it is it it gets less and less with each World Cup. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm probably not even going to go out. But when I get to Brazil, I'm going to be in bed by eight p.m. every day. See, I was able uh, to do that when I was working in the Bahamas as the wakeboard instructor. That's when I was able to like party like nonstop every day. Now, if I have like five drinks, oh dude, I feel it in the morning. <laughs> I think you had a few more than five drinks at the SBI party. I that's say. that's debatable. I there were not there were no eyewitnesses <laughs> to either confirm or deny. You just that don't story. remember anything after the first five. Let's just be honest. I, I told you I was double fisting all night, so I think that's. I I felt fine when actually when I woke up that morning. I think it's because I got a late night. I got a huge burrito afterwards with with Franco. I think I think that's possibly why. No, no, Franco wasn't. Who was I with? Yeah, I was you know with Franco. I was with Franco. That's what it was. There yeah, go. we we got burritos. Well, I'd say, yeah, no, it was a great time in Arizona, no doubt about it. I definitely want to go back. I don't know what would – tell you what, I'll, next year for preseason, for MLS preseason, I will definitely make an effort to go to Arizona because it was a great time. Uh, and it was cool. It was cool to meet some, some, new, uh, some new readers slash listeners uh, who, who made it out to the party, and uh, it was a good time, definitely. Yeah, it was. It was uh, – I, I think everyone had a good time out here in Arizona, actually. Yeah, I know. Phoenix definitely uh, represented well. I know. It's, it's great for a possible Major League Soccer club, too. You never know. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. one day. Team, team, <laughs> team 38. Details. <laughs> details. Uh, all right, Ivis. Well, that wraps up the show, man. You have a uh, you have a good night slash early morning. I'll talk to you, and, and uh, we'll plan for, for a midweek show, all right? Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the comments. Ivis and I will be back again. This is the SBS Show.